this episode. I hope I can uh, remember all the bits and pieces. He couldn't get a single one try out his new strain as a hipster dude who wore Bermuda shorts and fancy sunglasses. Even though he had the evidence. Rogers worked out it's the next group, which he coined the phrase early adopters. I can't remember what Bermuda shorts looked like, <laughs> so maybe we should include a picture in the show notes. Similar enough to be listened to, different enough to be heard. Cool. So how would we use this in a business situation? Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And this week, Sean's going to share a story about innovation. And it's an interesting, we, it, it kind of, we used it a lot in the past. And then it, well, it didn't so much fall out of favor. It just fell out of use. And so uh, it's a, a, I'm very glad when he uh, proposed this one because it's a cool story. So uh, over to you, Sean. Thanks, Mark. I, look, I hope I can uh, remember all the bits and pieces. Jump in if I uh, miss out on anything. Uh, so this story is about uh, a researcher, quite a famous researcher, Dr. Everett Rogers. He finished his PhD in the 1950s, and his first job was to actually help Iowa farmers adopt you know, a new hybrid strain of corn. Right? They had much higher yields. It coped with disease far better. And he thought this was going to be a, a pretty straightforward exercise. He just had to help them, you know, sort of adopt it and take it on and as a, as a new idea. So he went out and he spoke to a whole bunch of farmers and he couldn't get a single one to try out his new strain, right? And partly it's because, quite frankly, they didn't trust him, right? He, he didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. In fact, they sort of saw him as a bit of a city slicker who, you know, was totally naive about farming practices, et cetera. Um, and, yeah, so they didn't give it a go. And Rogers wasn't going to just leave it at that. So he, you know, persisted and he was just trying to find this one farmer who would try it out. And he eventually snagged someone, right? He got this, this uh, guy who Rogers describes as a hipster dude who wore Bermuda shorts and fancy sunglasses. And he was renowned trying out all the new stuff and he got great results. And, and the same was uh, happened here too. He tried out this new hybrid corn uh, bumper crop. Uh, and the, But the funny thing is that even then, the other farmers weren't impressed, right? Even and though he had the evidence. They had the evidence. So they, just, they just didn't like it. And again, they saw that farmer as kind of like a maverick, right? sort of derided their way of life, uh, you know, seen as this outsider. And, and they weren't going to take on any idea that he, he was running with. And this was the big insight for uh, Everett Rogers, right? Because he started to work out that there are those people in a, in a network of, in a community, there are those people who are innovators, right? The people who will try things the first you know, sort of blush of something being available. They'll give it a go, but they're normally nothing like the rest of the people who might adopt this, this new innovation. And this guy with the Bermuda shorts, he was an innovator. And, uh, and what Rogers worked out, it's the next group, which he coined the phrase early adopters. 
right? He needed the early adopters because they were more like the rest of the population that he was trying to convince. They were, you know, sort of just farmers like the rest of them. And he found once he could get those early adopters on board, the rest started to come on board, right? And he really came up with that whole idea. Uh, he calls it the innovation curve, where it goes through, you know, starting off with the early adopters all the way through to the other end, which are the laggards, right? Uh, quite a derisive term, I would say, laggards. But, you know, anyway, that was the sort of the curve with, you know, the sort of those, if you like. Yeah, but it was normal, the innovators. Normal distribution, if you like. They yeah, it the but the innovators were the, were the first ones and then the early adopters. That's right. And then after that, they called it the early majority, then the late majority, and then finally the laggards. And, <laughs> and, and the innovators... Take, you know, they account for about two and a half percent of that population, the early adopters around about 13 and a half percent. And yeah, and I guess the, the uh, rule of thumb is to avoid the innovators like the plague in trying to do these. I don't know, it's almost like a complex social contagion you're trying to create here across that population. Um, innovators will grab onto it, but they're not going to help you. Uh, in terms of making it uh, spread to the rest of the people. Anyway, that's the story of E.M. Uh, e. Rogers. Good old Everett. Good old what a guy. Yeah, yeah. I think he passed away in 2004, and um, had, he was one of those totally amazing uh, researchers that just you know, produced like you wouldn't believe in his, uh, in his lifetime. So quite a standout. So what do you reckon, Mark? What, um, how does that story hit you like what what bits of that oh. story you, do you like what bits do you think uh, you know well we'll start with the bits you like that's always a good place to start well i like it it's very compact um it's research-based it is uh visual you know i can picture the the hipster bermuda short wearings flash sunglasses innovator uh, i can imagine him having conversations with traditional iowa farmers and them just kind of maybe not even uh, uh, in his face, but subtly rolling their eyes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, I have so a really clear, clear picture too, because I'm, I'm sure I've seen photos of my father in the 1950s wearing Bermuda shorts. I don't know, I don't know if he was an innovator, but maybe if he was, if he went to Iowa, I think he was in California, totally different yeah. situation. Yeah, well, yeah, I can't remember what Bermuda shorts look like. So maybe we should include a picture in the show notes. Indeed. Yeah. I, I think just those little um, snapshots, those little details like the Bermuda shorts and the glasses, you know, there's not a lot of detail and detail moments or anything like that in this story. Um, it's pretty much a, a series of events one after the other, but uh, I still I think it has impact. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be, interested in in uh zooming in on a moment when he was at a door talking you know knocking on the door and talking to a farmer and uh, having no luck yeah like that'd be that yes would, it would uh, be great to be able to find out that uh yeah. sort of detail wouldn't it yeah it's probably it is probably available i mean because rogers um documented his research um you know extensively so uh you know it's it's possible that that's out there oh yeah more than likely, more than likely. Um, yeah, I think I think they're the, probably the key bits that I would need to to 
to remember to tell that story. I think you have to get to the innovation diffusion theory. You know, uh, if I had a, if I was able to show a picture, I would show that little bell curve, uh, normal distribution of that. But apart from that, I think it's a pretty compact story. Yeah, and well, just well, one, well, one other thing that I liked was yeah. the, the the fact that you know there is a normal it follows a normal distribution, and being able to step through them and have the percentages that just helps people get in their mind. You know, the two point five percent of innovators. Yes, for me that was a really important point. Oh, that is a tiny proportion. Right, right. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Uh, I, I was struggling there to remember the um, all the elements, and then I thought, "Oh no, I've got it." So it sort of came to me after a while. But the um, yeah, I think that detail is important to have that in your back pocket. Cool. So how would we use this in a business situation? Well, I think it's it's really that all around anything you want to do around complex change, right? That let's say you're trying to get people to adopt a new behaviour. Well. You know, there'll be a whole bunch of there'll be a few, there'll be a small no a whole bunch a small bunch of people putting their hands up, going yeah 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 we can help you with that, and it's just being mindful of are these the innovators that we're looking at here or we're we talking to the early adopters, um, because yeah you could be setting yourself up for a, a bit of a slowdown on the acceptance of the idea right yeah yeah so I'm reminded of a uh, a little saying about change. Similar enough to be listened to, different enough to be heard. And the innovators were not sim- similar enough to yeah. be listened to. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the the, the uh, early adopters were, they, did, they didn't wear Bermuda shorts. They just, they drove the tractors like everyone else. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. So I think um, that would be one of the main reasons I would use this just to help to be, it's almost like a, you know, forewarned is forearmed type thing where, um, you know, it helps you design an intervention. So another business application is very closely related to this, more of an extension of the one you just said, but that is change is hard, right? Yes. So don't, we're about to embark on this change journey, folks. Don't expect it to be a walk in the park. Um, build, you know, the, it's not the field of dreams. Build it and they will come. Um, you need to do the work to get people engaged, just like Everett Rogers did. You know, the other thing that occurred to me now too is that you could easily stand in front of a group of people and say, look, one of the things we have to consider in this big change we're about to make is the, uh, the innovation diffusion theory, you know, by Everett Rogers. Uh, and it's a normal distribution of, and, you know, you lay it out like that, right? Uh, that's certainly one way of conveying it. And, um, but I don't, I was listening to uh, a podcast. I think it was, no, it was just the radio. I was in the car listening to the radio and there was this a scientist uh, talking about, um, well, he was, just, he was, he's just done a documentary on, on sex. I think it was. Yeah, definitely. And what channel? Yeah. What channel? And the, and, but he was saying that he, he was also a twin researcher, right? He's a, He's an expert yep. in tw- twins, you know, identical twins. Anyway, he could have easily, he wanted to reveal this finding, this new finding that was rocking the world. And he did it as a story as opposed to just here is the finding. You know, he started off by sort of saying, I went to this conference and in the last uh, 
presentation on the last day, you know, so-and-so got up there and he was his last presentation he'll ever give in a conference because he's retiring this weekend. And so, you know, he sort of builds this up and this guy reveals this, you know, insight. Um, and it was just like, you're, you're right on the edge of your seat listening to this. And I've, I've told people about this insight and, you know, it's really got conversations going about what it means and things like that. And, and I'm just, and it just really just reinforced me. You know, like that's a smart science educator, isn't it? To, to deliver it as a story, as opposed to deliver it as a, you know, here's the three bullet points that he wanted to convey. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be, as you say, it'd be so easy to, to talk about the innovation adoption, adoption cycle in, uh, in uh, as it pertains to a major change initiative in a really abstract uh, uh, statement-based assertion based way. way. And, and, but the, the people can't picture it happening. They can't feel it happening because it's not event-based it's statement-based yeah. and it just has a completely different effect on the listener so yes, exactly but of course yeah. you know our listeners we're preaching to the choir aren't we but it's it's mm -hmm. useful to to i think to reinforce this and and to show that it's happening you know in all sorts of different fields it's not just you know us here trying to make it happen there are people in just about every industry who can do this and do it well and you know have that impact that that they're really hoping to have. Um, yes. So another business perspective, again, it's, it's simply an extension of what we've been talking about, but the importance of persistence. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He could have easily sort of given up early and never made the discovery that he made. And, and in fact, in the telling of the story, you went, but he wasn't going to give up that easily. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. But again, in the context of a change or a transformation program, this is a you know it's a good a good uh, lesson in the importance of persistence. So, actually, Mark, you've just reminded me of something. Yeah, I'm, uh, as you know, I'm I'm coaching a group of uh, uh, principals, you know, school principals at the moment uh, in preparation for a big conference that's coming up, and they all have these stories that they're uh, telling about you know a major impact that they've had at the school that they're at. It's so interesting because their first um, instinct is tell a perfect story where everything goes perfectly well, right? Mm, yeah. And, and I said to them, look, I tell you, that your audience will really appreciate it if you can also include the missteps, the stumbles, the little diversions that happen along the way, just like here, you know. The lessons. Because the, the lessons, Exactly that will be more interesting than you just smashing it out of the park, right? And, and I could tell some of them felt it was, was countercultural to do that. And uh, there was a, I wouldn't, fear is probably too strong a word, but there was just a little sense of that in, in that audience that they were going to have. So I oh, thought, wow. So I thought that's so interesting, interesting, isn't it, that... Um, you know, again, these are some of the things, you know, you know that, that the audience will love it, you know, if you can show some of those things. They don't have to be big things. And by the way, if you end up with a success in the end, who cares, right? Yeah, but it's also about being human, right? Yeah. This The, the um, Gialdini, Robert Gialdini, right? Oh, yes, the, yeah. the, the father of influence, author of the book Influence, surprisingly enough. 
he talks about we are we are most influenced by people who are like us, and this speaks directly to the Everett Rogers story, right? So, which is the 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 Bermuda short wearing guy was not like us, yeah, and therefore we're not influenced by him. Yes, um, and so uh, yeah, back you know, it also pertains to those to those principles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. Anyway, I think there's. I think this is one of the other sort of interesting elements of this story is that there's a few little missteps he takes, right, and yeah. uh, and and recovers and and then finds this great insight. So, yeah. so it becomes so, a nice insight story as well. And I, I told you that I just spent uh, the uh, the weekend uh, in preparation for spending five weeks crossing the Simpson Desert soon. I, I did a, uh, a four-wheel drive course. Now, I've been four-wheel driving for years, but I thought I would go and get trained by a bunch of people who were... Well, professionals. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> well, they are. They're, they're professionals in a way. Right. Um, okay. you know, they're, 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 it was part of, it's part of a four-wheel drive club. Very professionally run. Superb. But the thing I learned, I learned a lot, but the most valuable lesson I had was where I launched my car sideways uh, through a very, through a very difficult uh, part of the, uh, the terrain. And I, and I actually launched my car sideways off the track. And if there had been a tree, I would have killed my car, but fortunately there was no tree. Um, and uh, you know, we all talked about it later, you know, I recovered well and all that, but that moment was the most important moment for me on the weekend when I learned, you know, when I had that experience because I learned so much from that mistake. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that of course that'll be the bit you remember as well. Oh yeah, yeah, feeling the car lurch for forty-five degrees to the left, <laughs> uh, unplanned. That was a, it was no fun. Well, Mark, I think um, have we done this justice? This uh, Rogers story. Yeah, well, I think it's a, yeah, that's a really cool story. Short. Um, numerous business applications mostly related to the change field yeah Um, yeah what do you reckon what's your what's your score what are you what are you going to give it i'm i'm giving it an eight um and i do it in full recognition that it slipped off my radar for probably i don't know six to eight years and uh i'm so glad it is now uh, rediscovered yeah, and it wasn't in my story bank. So it's there. It's an eight. Excellent. Over to you. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight as well. It's a good story. It's a good story. And and I've now got a few little extra elements I can add to this because I've just finished reading this fascinating uh, book on um, on change. And it's by Damon Centola. Damon Centola. It's called Change, How to Make Big Things Happen. Bit of a cheesy title, but he's a... He's a network scientist, Mark, and he looks at how, uh, you know, networks of people um, connected together and how the network actually has a big impact on whether a complex change of behaviour particularly can actually happen. Oh, wow. That's highly recommended. It takes us straight to Jerry Stern's work in Vietnam and for, uh, for Donald Hopkins from the Carter Centre, uh, yeah, in and, the Stern, and the Stern and story, of course, we told back in episode 10, I think it was, uh, but check down in the notes and we'll make sure we've got a link to that as well. I'm pretty sure it was 10. Yeah, yeah. good pick up. 
Well, fantastic. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And yeah, tune in next time when we have another story for you to um, help you put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.